Have you ever said, Amen? Do you know what it means? Today we're going to talk about that word and how to say it with gusto. My name is Pastor David Burkadall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a United Church of Christ slash Christian Church Disciples of Christ ordained minister focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the 110 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. How do you say amen at worship? It may have a lot to do with what worship means. I grew up in a liturgical church, that is, a church whose worship service is structured in the same way that the synagogue services in which Jesus took part all his life were structured. Gathering, word, sending. Only Christians added one element, meal, also known as communion, Holy Communion, the Eucharist, the sacrament of the altar, the sacrament of the table, the great thanksgiving, etc., Structure is one of the strengths of a liturgical worship service. You know what's coming so you can fully worship. There's a rhythm to the seasons of the church here. The Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Holy Week, and Easter, the Easter season, Pentecost, and the months that follow, and a few odd ones thrown in here and there. The lectionary, or three-year cycle of prescribed readings, expose one to a lot of different passages from the Bible. The feeding of the senses, the standing, the sitting, as full-bodied expressions of worship, and so on. Structure is also one of the weaknesses of a liturgical worship service. You know what's coming, so you can put your mind on autopilot, like driving on the freeway and suddenly realizing you're 20 minutes from your most recent conscious thought. It assumes a fair degree of literacy, or at least the ability to hear and memorize. It requires some training and time to understand. And you might be embarrassed to find yourself to be the last person standing or sitting. But Lutheranism, my denomination of Christianity, is something of a historical hybrid. I saw a meme a few, meme a few months ago that said, If your Baptist friends think you are a Catholic, and your Catholic friends think you are a Baptist, you might be a Lutheran. One thing we can all agree on, though, is that we all say Amen. We may say it differently in different places, but I think that we are all united in a generally tepid understanding of what it means. Martin Luther wrote his small catechism, a little pamphlet to help parents teach their children the basics of the Christian faith, adults to learn the basics or brush up, and clergy to have a central core from which to teach. He wrote a large catechism to provide more material on each subject, like the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, Holy Baptism, Holy Communion, and so on. But he read from the small catechism, something he himself had written, every day. You can buy them online in paper form, and you can download a digital version for free. You'll find it in Google Play or your App Store. I use the one with the dark brown or purple logo with a leafy vine on it. The format is simple. Each subject is broken down into small parts, and each part is followed by questions and answers. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, for example, he follows the prayer's conclusion, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. With this explanation, What is this? Or, What does this mean? 
that I should be certain that such petitions are acceptable to and heard by our Father in heaven, for God himself commanded us to pray like this and has promised to hear us. Amen, amen means yes, yes, it's going to come about just like this. Amen is a Bible word like hallelujah. It's universal. Almost every language in the world says them and even spells them in an almost identical or at least recognizable way. If you ever feel insecure about your linguistic abilities, remember that you know at least two words in nearly every language, Amen and Hallelujah. Amen is an affirmation, not a punctuation mark. It's a way of saying, yes, that's true. The more exuberant forms of worship are often filled with amens and hallelujah, even in some liturgical worship services, though I have to say, and I apologize if I am offending anybody, that it loses its meaning when it is forced, and particularly when white people do it to look cool. But even though it seems more like an exclamation point than a period, it can still be used as a new punctuation mark, particularly when they become rote something you say, but don't really believe. How can we know when something we hear is worthy of a full-throated amen? Well, it's kind of like when a Supreme Court justice was asked to define pornography. He said, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. I think we are safe to say that it is appropriate with anything in Scripture properly understood, certainly, anything that seems like an unexpected or timely truth. Anything that comes suddenly like an insight or a conviction or an epiphany that is contrary to what we thought we had believed, and anything at all that breaks through as an inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The concluding words of the last book of the Bible contain this double affirmation of the eternal now. The one who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. It's in Revelation 22, verses 20 and 21. The words saints in the Bible refers to the faithful baptized, to you and to me. Amen is an affirmation of truth. Do you think that what you believe is true and that, by extension, other beliefs are false? Or do you believe that everybody else's religious beliefs, as well as the beliefs of those with no religious beliefs at all, are just as true as your own? That is the hallmark of a good person today, isn't it? The one to which we are all pointed, that there is no absolute truth, just your truth and my truth, and therefore tolerance, the chief value of our secular culture, our empire. Is it possible to say amen and not be countercultural? Why do you believe what you believe? Do you remember the 1988 movie The Big Lebowski? Not terribly well received at the time, but now a cult favorite. It gave the world the Jeff Bridges character Jeff the Dude Lebowski, whose retort, yeah, well, you know, that's just like your opinion, man, is another way to recite the creed of our age. The thing is that truth is truth. When I say I believe something, I mean that I say that it's true. A zoom-out look at all the people with truth claims may say that all truth is relative, but that's a clinical observation. A zoom-in look at all the people with truth claims says that they believe they are right and everyone else is wrong, or they wouldn't have any beliefs. Furthermore, truth for Christians is a person more than a proposition. Jesus said, 
I am the way and the truth and the life. Truth comes from God and can only come from God. No beliefs can be sustained without a belief in some absolute truths, that is, that are true and true for everybody. Absolute truth exists because God exists. That's where it comes from. That's what we mean when we say amen. It's true. As the president of the World Parliament of Religions, a gathering of leaders of all the world religions every 10 years, I think, said, our task is not to agree with one another. Our task is to figure out how we can hold to rival truth claims without killing each other. That's a statement with integrity and a good place to start for peace. At the beginning of this year, at the first session of Congress after the Christmas break, a congressman from Missouri ended his opening prayer by saying, Amen and a woman. He was serious. You can't make this stuff up. There's an old joke that goes, Why do we say amen and not a woman? Because it is said at the end of a hymn, not a her. That's the same abuse of language. Are we so far from understanding what amen means that we now think it's appropriate to use it to score cultural warrior points? We run into the same willful ignorance with regard to the pandemic. What's going on with the pandemic? There's a vaccine, but it's not available. There have been over 40,000 COVID-19 deaths in California, or one death per 1,000 people. One death per 1,000. The curves of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths are starting to go down, but hospitals are still way past their capacities. As our government has said, a governor has said, there's light at the end of the tunnel, but we're still in the tunnel. Yet there are people still around who say, yeah, well, you know, that's just like your opinion, man. The brand of Lutheran worship in which I grew up is more reserved. These flashes of the Holy Spirit come more like a flare in a dark room than a lightning bolt on an open plain. They are brilliant, but more internal than external. I'm reminded of the Pentecostal man who visited a Lutheran congregation and when the assurance of forgiveness was proclaimed, shouted, Amen! The congregation stirred uncomfortably. When the gospel was announced, the man shouted, Amen! There were murmurs. When the pastor said something exciting and profound, the man stood up and shouted, Amen! An usher quietly approached him and said, Sir, would you mind keeping it down? You're disturbing the other parishioners. But I've got the Holy Spirit, he said. Well, you didn't get it here, the usher replied. A Pentecostal Christian comes to a Lutheran church and wonders if they have the Holy Spirit. A Lutheran Christian comes to a Pentecostal church and wonder if they've lost their minds. It's the same Holy Spirit, but with different expressions, including the way we say amen. What matters is how we say it, not the volume, but the meaning, whether in liturgical or non-liturgical worship. Our participation and responses can just as easily become something we just do, rather than something we really mean. What matters is our engagement in worship, our focus, our reason for being there, our heart. Yes, yes, that's true. Yes, that's God. Yes, it's going to come about just like that. Yes, this is our worship, our affirmation of what God has done and is doing to give us new life through a living relationship of faith with the one true living God. 
At the end of his conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well, the same one in which Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus says to her in John 4, beginning at the 31st verse, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Can I get an amen? Today, let's remember to pray for those who are financially struggling, for the most vulnerable among us, and for those who feel insecurities of any kind. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at the Revs David and Sally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have currently available and support the church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.